Hey folks, Matt Hunsaker here, welcoming you back to the State Tax Show. Are you looking to change tax residency? If so, today's show is for you. We welcome special guest Betsy Smith into the virtual studio for a discussion on residency audits. You longtime listeners know that this show is heavily slanted towards business taxes and that we only touch lightly on individual state income taxes. Not today. One of the areas where I do a lot of individual work is with what I call ultra high net worth individuals who are looking to change their residency and want to make sure that the state tax officials respect the change. This is important because each state is allowed to tax 100% of its residents' income, and it doesn't matter where it was earned or sourced. Now, they will give a credit for income tax paid to non-resident states, but that's of little solace when you live in a state with a high tax rate. This year in particular, my phone has just been ringing off the hook with people looking to get out of high-tax states. Not necessarily to escape taxes. They may just be looking for a better climate or a different political landscape. Really, there's no end to the reasons why. If you find yourself in this boat, today's show is definitely for you. I've invited Betsy Smith, my partner from our New York office, to join me to discuss residency changes and audits. Betsy has a lot of experience in this area And I think you'll enjoy her perspective and stories. Hi, Betsy. Thanks for joining the show today. How are things going up in New York? Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate in your podcast. I'm I'm really happy to be here. And things are going very well in New York. Well, today we are going to talk about tax residency issues. And that's a subject that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Reports seem to suggest that there is kind of a a fair uptick in folks leaving some of our higher tax jurisdictions like New York, California, Illinois, some of the others. And I I don't know how much stock to put in those reports, but anecdotally, I've been handling a lot more outbound residency issues than ever before. I'm not sure what your experience is right now. Yeah, I would say about the same thing. What I have been seeing is a lot of not people necessarily leaving, but asking about it, asking, what do I have to do? What will I have to prove to New York? Can I keep my apartment? Well, let's tell our listeners a little bit about that, a little bit about how residency rules work. Now, there are obviously 50 states, at least last time I checked, (laughs) and each of them have their own unique approach to residency. But perhaps you could give us just kind of like a quick high-level overview of how New York's rules work, and then maybe I can compare and contrast with another state like perhaps California. I'd be happy to talk about that. It's a it's a subject that I've dealt with for many, many years. New York has a very aggressive approach to residency here, and someone um, 
can be considered a resident under two different tests. Under the domicile test, meaning they've been domiciled here, they've lived here, and they don't have another domicile. You can only have one domicile, but you can have multiple residencies. But there's another way that New York approaches it and treats people that have a permanent place of abode, which is a, a defined term, and the person has to be here more than 183 days. So basically about six months. But the thing that usually trips people up is any part of a day in New York is a New York day. But a lot of times what we find is taxpayers come into the city, they, they live in Connecticut or New Jersey, and they drive into the city on Monday or maybe Sunday night. That's, that's a better example. They drive in on Sunday. They work here on Monday and they go back on Tuesday. From, from New York's perspective, that's a th- three days in New York because you came in on Sunday, even though you just slept, you worked mm-hmm. on Monday and you went back Tuesday morning. That taxpayer often thinks he's just here for one day because he only worked here one day. But New York would count that as three days. And the other um, issue I've always found difficult is the taxpayer has to prove the negative. You have to prove that you are not here more than 183 days. And unless you're scrupulous about maintaining a diary or now there are apps that can track it, it's very hard to prove where you are every single day. And New York's view is if you have an undocumented day, a day that you can't prove where you were, they count that as a New York day. So the burden really is on the taxpayer then to essentially prove that they're outside of New York for purposes of this statutory residency test, as opposed to the state proving you were in New York. That's right. And it, it's, as I said, it's very difficult for most people to be able to prove where they are every single day, because generally when these audits come up, it's a couple of years after the year in question. So a lot of times people don't maintain their calendars. They, they might have a notation, but they can't really remember where they were at what time. But it's, it is uh, the way that New York often approaches cases They approach it as a statutory residence case, and that puts the burden on the taxpayer. Uh, The only uh, issue, too, is the taxpayer also has a two-pronged test, as I mentioned. You have to have a permanent place of abode and have been present in New York more than 183 days. So in recent years, I would say in the last five years, there's been some pressure on New York about what is a permanent place of abode. And there have been some some good cases to suggest that it has to be it has to be habitable throughout the year. For example, if you had a hunting you know cabin mm-hmm. and it didn't have any heat and it didn't have running water and it didn't have a kitchen, you know that taxpayer would have a good argument that that's not a permanent place of abode. Where people got tripped up as they maintained a vacation home, let's say in the Hamptons. And it had all of the bells and whistles of a proper home, but they only used it a couple times a year, maybe you know a few months in the summer, but they maintained it for 12 months and it was a real house. And New York has taken the position that's a permanent place of abode, whether you use it you know, a couple months, but if you can't prove you weren't here, they're going to take the position that you're a resident and you're going to be taxed on your income. 
in California, it's a little bit different. California doesn't really have as formulaic of an approach. It's more of, I guess they call it the closest connections test, which is really what it sounds like. And they look through a number of factors just to see to which state you have the closest connections. And that is your state of residence. And so you don't have as many of the issues of keeping track of days. You just have the issue of trying to prove this somewhat subjective test of where your closest connections are. And a lot of those things are, are, are really personal. And I think that takes us a little bit to the actual audit itself. And I, I think this is true for just about any state residency audit is these are not really tax audits. These are not about your financial information or your income. These are these are really personal audits determining where you live and, and where your connections are and you know some of the things that are nearest and dearest and they can be pretty invasive audits. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. We have seen over the years um situations where New York auditors have gone through taxpayers' trash to look for evidence of being in New York, evidence of uh, restaurant receipts and things like that. They are not supposed to do that, and they are not supposed to go through someone's trash, uh, but we have seen that happen. I may have told you about a case I had, which was pretty egregious, but it it was something that took the taxpayer and our firm three years to resolve, we represented a taxpayer who had been domiciled in Florida for years and years and years and was not domiciled, was never domiciled in New York, but was uh, indicted and convicted of white collar crimes in the state of New York and went to state prison. While he was in state prison, he had income. And New York took the position that he was resident in New York while he was in prison and that his income that he received during those years was subject to New York state tax. Well, that, that is a double whammy. Yeah. And our first, our first argument was he's here against his will. He's not voluntarily in New York. And that his jail cell could not be viewed as a permanent place of abode because it didn't have a kitchen. It didn't have, it did have running water and it did have heat. So they took the position that that was a dwelling. And we had to argue for years with them that that was not a permanent place of abode under the standard that New York had in place. But it just goes to show how aggressive New York can be when it became clear they were not going to win on the stat resident issue they pursued a domicile argument and that he had become re-domiciled in New York. Once you argue for someone becoming domiciled into the state, the burden shifts to the state. And so they would have had the burden of proving he'd become domiciled here. But thankfully, a supervisor, after three years, decided that they were going to drop that case. A lot of the people that I represent are getting ready to move and change their residency because they often have a very big transaction happening. They're going to come into a lot of money and have a lot of income. And so there's often 
kind of a, a drop dead point where they have to really have their residency changed by a certain date and they need to be fairly certain that their residency has changed. So as we're making a plan for how to change residency, what are some of the, the to-dos that you recommend to your clients when, when making that plan? Well, the first thing we would would determine is whether the taxpayer is going to maintain an apartment here. And that that tends to be the factual scenario most of the time. People people want to come back to New York. They want to either maybe see their kids or they just want to participate in life in New York. If they don't maintain an apartment, it's a lot easier to show the break. Uh, but that that tends not to be the case. So if they're going to maintain an apartment here, and move to another state, then we recommend a lot of different things that they need to do to show that they have broken the ties with New York. And those things include things that I'm sure you've told your clients, which is establishing another state uh, as your domiciliary. A lot of New Yorkers migrate to Florida. And what we advise them to do in Florida is to you know, acquire a residence that is either as significant as the apartment in New York or more significant, meaning more space. And that's usually fairly easy to do because apartments are smaller <laughs> and you can get a bigger house. And, um, yeah. and we recommend once they've established themselves, you know, bought something in Florida, that when they move, they move, as you were talking about, their near and dear objects. So they move their furniture, they move pictures, albums, things that involve, you know, something that's very personal to them. Uh, and that, and those items go to Florida and that they do, these are really optics, but we advise them to get a sun pass. It's like an easy pass, but in Florida it's called a sun pass. Get a sun pass. If you belong to a church in New York, establish a, a membership at a church in Florida. Adopt new doctors, dentists, podiatrists, whatever it might be, whatever kind of um, physicians that you've had in New York, we advise them to establish relationships with people of similar uh, specialties in Florida, to join clubs, to participate in the community. In Florida, you can, f you can uh, also file a homestead that you intend to homestead, obviously change your license, change the registration on your car, register to vote in Florida, change all of your mail to be delivered in Florida, um, and maintain records about when you come back to New York and how many days you're here. Ra maintain your, your uh, flight records. Uh, we had a taxpayer who never flew commercial. He was the president and CEO of a public company, so he always flew on, you know, a private jet. And we had and he flew into Teterboro, which is just outside of New York. And he would come in to New York from Teterboro, but he didn't maintain any records. But thankfully, private his private jet where there were records of who was on the plane, when he was on the plane, what day he was back on the plane. And that was very helpful to that case. But those are some of the things. And obviously, a pet. There was a, a case where a gentleman moved out of New York to Texas, actually, 
And he worked for a public company and he took his dog with him. And that was kind of a pivotal thing as being a near and dear item that the dog went with him to Texas. Yeah, it, you know, it's a long list, but really it it's very common sense in that you really just look at what you would do if you were genuinely moving residencies and, and do those things. I always tell my clients that if they have a, a, a point in time where they want to change their residency, that they absolutely have to go see their dentist and get a cleaning before that happens. Seems to be a, a good optical thing to do to show that you go to your dentist in this new domicile. Another thing that um, has been useful in proving that a taxpayer has left the jurisdiction is uh, having uh, their estate planning done in the new state, having their power of attorneys, the, you know, the sort of the whole package that you do with an estate plan with a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a will or a trust. I've advised my clients to redo that when they've gone, moved to Florida, for example, or moved to New Hampshire, another state that doesn't have income tax, and to redo their estate plan under the the provisions of that particular state. Another thing that was helpful in the case I was mentioning where they were going through this poor man's trash is every year he gathered his children and his grandchildren and his girlfriend for Thanksgiving and Christmas and the major holidays he always did in Florida. So that was actually helpful to show that he was treating that residence as, you know, his home. Yeah, you know, it, 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 so much of it is really just optics. But the, the nice thing about residency changes is if you know what you're doing and you're thoughtful about it, you can establish any of the facts that you want to establish that will make for a smoother audit. It, it's really that advanced planning that's so important. The, the problem that I usually get is people come to me didn't do any thinking about their residency change. It's been two or three years. They don't have any records. And so they're really up a creek and trying to, to, to prove where their residency is. So it's really so important to have a good plan and to keep good records. I totally agree with you. At the end of the day, the best thing to do is to plan ahead and be thoughtful. And if you do those things, you can be successful. Absolutely. One final point that I usually try to make to my clients is don't just quit filing tax returns in the state and disappear on them. Be sure to file your part year resident returns or your non-resident returns to get the statute of limitations running on your claim that you have changed your residency. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Betsy, we've given our listeners a lot of things to think about and Hopefully, those who are changing residency really take it to heart and make a good plan. And I think it's really important to consult with an attorney on these matters because these really are, at the end of the day, not necessarily financial matters, but are really legal matters. And can they can be money well spent to have a lawyer help you walk, walk you through a plan to change your residency and to make sure that the inevitable audit goes smoothly. Matt, I couldn't agree with you more. And on that point, a, a lot of times taxpayers will talk to their accountants, but one thing they don't think about is there's no privilege with the accountant. So the taxpayer, the taxpayer says, I'm going to say I'm moving to Florida, but I'm not really moving to Florida. 
you know, that's discoverable. So it's, I think it's in the best interest of the taxpayer to consult an attorney where you have the attorney client privilege and where people have experience, the lawyer can guide the taxpayer through the process of extricating themselves from a state and becoming a resident in a new state. Well, Betsy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share some of your experience with us. And I hope you stay safe up there in New York. Thanks, Matt. You do the same in Texas and we'll talk soon. Well, there you have it, the 30,000-foot view of state tax residency issues. If you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to Betsy or me. Our contact information is in the show notes. If all goes well, next week I will be sitting down virtually with some of my M&A colleagues to discuss state and local tax issues that pop up in transactions. It should be a good one. Until then... This is Matt Hunsaker for The State Tax Show. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. The hiring of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.